Hello everyone, welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, if it's your first time joining us, welcome to the show. We talk about volleyball, Canadian beach volleyball, all sorts of fun stuff like that. And maybe we get a little edgy. If you're joining us again, welcome back. If you haven't sh shared us already, be a friend, tell a friend. We're trying to grow this channel right now, Josh. We're at 69 subscribers, nice. Um, anyways, welcome back to the show, everybody. We got a lot to talk about today. Sometimes we have guests. Sometimes we don't, and today we don't, so it's just me and Josh, uh, but we got a lot, a lot to get into today, Josh. So let's jump in. How are you doing, by the way, Josh? You doing all right? You ready to go? I'm great. I missed us, Garrett. I'm sad we couldn't get a guest, but if we have, have nobody, I mean, the show's still awesome. I I'm really glad you missed us, because some weeks we come in, it's just us, and you're disappointed, so I'm excited <laughs> yes. you're ready to go. I'm feeling, I'm feeling better about that. Okay, let's jump in. So first off... I mean, we got kind of an interesting event going on right now, um, and that's the Commonwealth Games. Um, they're going on. We got a couple of teams there. We got uh, Dan Deering and Sam Schachter and Melissa Imana Paredes and Sarah Pavin for Canada in the beach volleyball event. But there's a lot of other stuff going on there, and I'm just always intrigued by these events, Josh. Just should should it, are we should be excited? Like, does this matter? What is like? Do we care? Like, is anybody watch? Apparently, I can watch these games. Like, it's kind of a weird thing. Uh, Volleyball Canada is doing a great job convincing me that we should care because they talk oh. about like the day leading into the games. Like if you follow them on Instagram, they tell you what time the game is. There's links to it. They're updating the results. It's nice that the schedule that uh, Sarah and Mel alternate with Sam and Dan. So you kind of always know we have a match that day. So they're trying to hype it up. But yeah, I, as much as I love Sam and Dan, beating Sri Lanka isn't like a fist pumping moment for me where I just get so fired up watching that game, you know? Yeah, I feel you, but let's fight that, Josh. Let's fight that. Let's be the fist bump moment when we beat Sri Lanka 25-10, or 21-10, whatever we beat them by. Let's go! Yes! Like, feel good about that. But, I mean, good to vol Hey, you know what? We can't always give kudos to Volleyball Canada, but kudos to Volleyball Canada. It's a multi-sport games. Absolutely, let's flex those muscles and let everybody know. But, Josh, I mean, I was looking up the sports that beach volleyball is alongside in this multi-sports game, and it's a mixed bag. A am I being harsh in saying that? It looks a bit hit and miss. I would love to see indoor volleyball added to this, but yeah, I don't understand. Uh, well, first of all, I, I, I this is just ignorant by me. I don't even understand who's included in the Commonwealth. Some of these countries or federations, Garrett, I, I'm not sure what they are, but uh, there is a unique feel to some of these sports where uh, obviously like cricket being in the Commonwealth Games or netball It just shows that there's a lot of stuff that we as North Americans don't get access to that I think other countries are very good at Yeah, like congratulations everybody. We used to be uh, Owned and, and colonies of the British Empire. I mean, let's have a celebration of that kind of a weird thing to like Be hype about like hey, we used to be a British colony like what a weird amalgamation of, of countries across the world joining up so and then you get the weird sports like Netball? I don't know what netball is. If you play netball, let us know. Comment down below. We need to have you on the show and maybe do a full thing on netball because it looks like a volleyball type thing going on there. But with a basketball hoop, maybe it could be really cool. And it, it looks like a really fun gym class game. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It just seems like like everybody's running. Like but you can't run with the ball. So it's a big team sport. Everybody's getting connected. There's no backboard on the hoop so it's not basketball it's like it's a little bit different but it, it seems pretty fast and dynamic but yeah i don't remember ever playing that uh i mean there's the the traditional olympic ones like wrestling and stuff's in there but it's like I, I don't know it's hard to get behind some of these other ones garrett it really is yeah like three on three basketball like it is basketball but it's not five on five basketball 
So you get some of those like, you know, rugby sevens. It's not the full on rugby, you know, things like that. But then, you know, you get the good, you get the traditional sports, weightlifting, triathlon, athletics, cycling, stuff like that. But then you get lawn bowling. And that one just kills me that it's in there. It's like, oh my God, lawn bowling next to like, I don't know. Does that not squash is in there? Like is squash, is that? Are, I kind of want to see a lawn bowler in the cafeteria next to like a rugby sevens or a weightlifter just to see the like how many different body types are playing at the Commonwealth Games because that, that's a different ends of the spectrum as far as sports go. Yeah, but secretly the lawn bowlers are thick and jacked out of their <laughs> mind. The lawn bowlers are in the best shape unnecessarily. They don't need it, but they just are. That would be amazing. <laughs> So, I wonder if lawn bowling's at the same place that like curling was like a decade ago where like you represent like your local club and maybe somebody from like Coburg who plays on Thursday nights is like good enough to represent their country <laughs> or like if it's become so professional that like because curling's gotten serious like the body type for curling's changed in the last decade I wonder if lawn bowling's on the cusp of doing that as well. Yeah, it makes you wonder about these other sports because, like, you see in beach volleyball, you've got some, like, <laughs> professional teams top in the world playing, like, teams and countries who just don't have a program. Like, you know, they, they obviously are terrible, but, I mean, they can't be blamed for being terrible. It's just like, you know, nobody plays. I wonder if Commonwealth Games is a big enough deal to some of these other countries that that's a reason that they fund their federation. Like, is this the reason that, like, Ganya has a beach volleyball program or, like, Rwanda puts money into it? Like, maybe it, it's a positive because they get organized for an event like this. But, yeah, they're certainly not competitive on the world tour. Yeah. Well, I mean, so to bring it back full circle to our beach volleyball teams, I mean, it's it's gold or bust. Like, I, I, right? Like, right, though? If we lose to Australia, to get like that upset, you kind of go like, oh, maybe. But like, I think it's podium or bust for sure. Okay, so yeah, so like, if we're if we're if we don't make the final, like who who else do we got? Like New Zealand, Australia. Who else is a threat? Uh, like England plays on the world tour, but if Sam and Dan lose to them, I would say that's that's a disappointment, right? So I, I think it, it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's finals or bust, depending when we play Australia in the draw. But like, really, it's yeah. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> if this airs, if you're listening to this after the results of the Commonwealth Games, I mean, congrats to Canada on a double gold medal. I mean, we gotta, I mean it's a few, we're fortune tellers here, but also in the past, I mean, congrats to, to, the, to Canada. I mean, Mel and good Sarah. Good revenge for Mel and Sarah to take down uh, Taliqua and Maria Faye there who beat us in the Olympics. So, big, good revenge final coming up, I feel it. Yeah, absolutely great revenge. But if you could pick between those two, which you want to get the win... <laughs> Yes. I, I mean, is it harsh? To, I mean, you pick the yes, you pick the Olympics. I mean, every time. Okay, gosh, man. Sorry to the Commonwealth Games. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's yeah, we're being harsh. Okay, moving on. So we got some other results to talk about. Um, I don't know how much we have to say on this, but the Volleyball Nations League did finish up while we kind of bit while we were away for a week. Um, apparently, some of those games were super exciting. Like some of the finals had some really exciting matches. On the men's side, we had France taking it home, and on the women's side, we had Italy taking it home. So I mean, congrats to them, France and Italy on the women's side. I mean, it not exactly surprise outcomes. You know, great teams, perennial teams getting the win, but. Yeah, Canada not in there for either of those, but uh, some big countries getting the win. I, I wonder on the women's side if Italy was the favorite. I think that one's a little bit of a surprise for me. I, I don't follow it that closely. I'm sure some listeners are yelling at their, their speakers right now, but I, I think that one was a little bit shocker. I think the way France was playing going into the event and how they played since the last Olympic cycle, man, they look fantastic. I also like got to give some respect to Irving Ingepeth. He gets the MVP of the tournament, his country wins. I mean, that, but that France team is stacked. Like, so they have a fantastic setter, and that big guy they have on the right side, 
oh my god, that guy is an absolute beast. Like, he's big, thick, pounds, like, I respect the hell of them. But Ingepeth getting the MVP, because he's kind of a wild guy. He's kind of got an interesting style, right? Like, you've seen him do behind-the-back hit, hits, like, weird jumps and spikes and tips and things like that, which I fully respect somebody who can play entertaining, like, be high entertainment value and succeed at a high level. So him getting the MVP, I mean, congrats to him there. Uh, he, rumor is he's been known to have a good time off the court too. It's just funny watching his style where he does play loose and carefully, but like if, if something breaks down in their system, he's not afraid to like bark at guys either, which I think is kind of a cool vibe to play for a team like that, that you're going to have fun, but like you got to do your job. Oh, I mean, I love that the most. Like, of course, it's volleyball we're talking about here. You don't need to be like in perfect shape, nutrition, what else? Oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> National team coach. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> This guy has fun off the court. Yeah, gets the MVP of the absolutely. That's a beacon of our sport right there. Congrats. Always um, following curfew in bed on time, you know, never too silly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Moving on, Josh. We're on fire. We're just rocketing through this episode. So we got a few comments to to touch on and address. Um, that's the way we like to be. I mean, if you want to communicate with us, let us know. Hit us up in the comments on YouTube. If you don't know we're on YouTube, yeah, we're there. Sharp Cuts Volleyball, hit us up. So uh, for the past few weeks, I've had a bit of a back and forth with frequent listener Derek Dedman. And he called me his clown of the week because of my take on Team Canada. And I retorted by calling him clown of the week for him calling me clown of the week and my take trash. And he, it seems to have come full circle here as Canadian. It's a very Canadian argument that's happening right here. As uh, Derek responded, taking it on the chin, he said, honored to be clown of the week nominee. If all one needs to do to be clown of the week is disagree with Garrett, then I assume a high percentage of listeners may be clowns as well. And I mean, Derek, you're absolutely line. right. You're absolutely right. All of you are clowns if you disagree with me and i mean of course great guest this week so awesome yep thank you so much tom for joining us last week that was an awesome episode last week's link in the description if you haven't seen it um and to be clear the issue with the take was i was treating a two win and ten loss as an absolute failure a clown performance and derek was just trying to come to our boy's defense which with that argument, I, I'm. you know what? I respect it, Derek. You got to come to the boys' defense when someone's attacking them. Absolutely. So, I mean, still, I stand. I'll triple down on it, though. Absolutely. Clown of the week for two and ten, Josh. Well, if anyone doesn't follow Derek, uh, Dead Man's Beach, they're, they're doing great stuff in the community, Garrett. That court is buzzing. He's got one of the best backyard courts, I think, in all of the land. So, I mean, he's obviously passionate about our sport. And if he wants to get on us, more specifically you, I'm all for it. All right. Well, then here's another one. Which is Which backyard court is better? You've got the Ottawa Dead Man's Beach. You've got the West Coast Mend backcourt court, backyard court, that have some action in there. That was a tight one, though. It's right up near the fence. Then you've got the May backyard court out in Springwater, Ontario. Plenty of space, beautiful sand. You know, trees are a bit in the way on that one, though. So that does, you know, it does pull it back a, a little ways. But so which has the top backyard court between those three? Nobody really has been to all three, though, have they? No, and I haven't even been invited to all three. So uh, mostly the, the John May court is the one I'm still waiting for the invite for. So uh, I yeah. got to put in third for that reason alone. And you won't, you won't get it. I mean, you never get it after putting a third. I mean, it's a vicious cycle. This is how these things repeat. I was talking to my biological father, actually, because I will be in Toronto uh, for the month of September. So if you're in there and you want to connect, hit me up. Uh, I will be there. But he said, oh, yeah, yeah, Garrett. Oh, well, definitely. We're in the backyard court. We're hosting a tournament. It's the Garrett May Invitational. And I was like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. 
What do you mean the Garrett May invitation? Like, I got to defend? Like, I got to play? Like, I got to get in there? I'm like, I'm not ready for that. Like, are you going to bring in good players to play? I'm not ready. Who's my partner? Like, do I have a good partner? And it's like, no, no, no. I was like, okay, well, this is, I'm absolutely screwed then. So you're going to have to set me up with some guys who, A, are terrible so I can beat, but B, a good partner, Josh. So can you help me? We can definitely help in that area. There's a lot of people who would love to play on that court. Just the legend, brutal? like like I think people just want the invite to go there. So yeah, we could we could stack it that you get the best partner, and then other people will just be happy to be there. I absolutely need that. Like at this point in my career, a hundred percent. So I appreciate that. All right, well that's it for the comments. Um, oh no, we did have another comment. So Paul, I mean Paul, I, we got to apologize for the audio quality, but this is the kind of quality guest you get on the channel. I mean, the, Paul said someone needs to fix the sound quality. We're doing our best here, okay? The budget for the show is painfully low. I don't know if you've heard, but we don't have the budget for the nice stuff. Josh and I got those silky smooth mics, though, don't we, Josh? Like, when it's just Josh and I, this audio quality cannot get any better. Yeah, and we're using a free platform to record this, so I hope someday, someday, Garrett, we have a budget to be all professional. But thanks for Paul for trying to turn other people onto the show. We just kind of fumbled on that one. Yeah, that's that's a bad timing to try to show somebody the shows when the audio quality is bad. But sounds like the audio quality is good today. So be a friend, tell a friend, help us out. Sharp Cuts Volleyball. We're trying to grow this thing. 69 subscribers. Nice. Let's get to 70. Um, probably not. Okay. We're almost um, approaching the episode number to guest ratio that I absolutely hate. If we ever pass episodes versus subscribers, I think that's time to pack it in. Yeah, I, I agree. We were there, though. We absolutely were there. So we, we need to keep searching. So hit that subscribe button. Appreciate it. Paint Just shallow plug throughout the episode. Uh, and it will continue. So get ready. Okay, moving on. Um, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Well, we still don't know if anyone actually likes this segment. But we do get comments about people who we call Clown of the Week. So let's get to it, Josh. Players of the Week and Clowns of the Week. I got a few... Um, so I don't know. Do you want to alternate here, players of the week? You want to go first? What are we doing? I can go first. All right. So this athlete was a clown of the week for me a few weeks ago, but uh, I'm actually finding Trevor Crabb extremely entertaining where he called a shot, Garrett. He called it before the tournament saying he was going to win, where if you start to approach this guy as like a movie or a wrestling villain where he's like trying to pump up the crowd and just yuck it up a little bit. So he called it even before the tournament happened and he delivered and he won the AVP in Fort Lauderdale. So I just love stuff like this where, you know, he, he, he speaks his mind all the time. Sometimes you don't agree with it, but he's comfortable being the guy that everybody roots for. There was a hashtag on the AVP for years called Never Trevor because they never thought he could like win a tournament. Now he's like boasting. He's being really like out there with the media stuff. Like he even blamed the, the FIB for kicking him out of a tournament because he had COVID. Like he's just, you know, off the cuff guy. But uh, I will credit him for calling a shot and delivered. He called it before the tournament happened and he took it down, Garrett. Trevor Crabb is a champion. I mean, congrats, Trevor. I mean, well done. And I, I got to respect it on multiple levels. A, win in the tournament. I mean, you go and win when you're, it's a distraction, that stuff, right? So it's like hard to stay fully focused to perform your best while dealing a little bit with that stuff. So makes it harder on himself and still delivers. Well done. The other thing I will say is like, I find myself crumbling at every negative YouTube comment that I get. Like, it's just just kills me you know like if somebody disagrees with me or somebody calls me an idiot or whatever it just hurts but i mean that's what comes with that territory so for this guy to throw that stuff out there he's probably getting heat but to just take that on and kind of understand oh no it's they they're hating what I, you know personality it's not personal like uh, this is the persona i'm dealing with it to get some attention and still deliver i mean i respect that because i struggle with it all the time 
And he's not doing it in a classy way like Mark Messier, like gets behind his team and guarantees he's going to win and gets behind the fan base. The actual quote was at the AVP account, uh, Fort Lauderdale starts Friday this week. Nothing but first place. Slap a guarantee on that ass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Slap a guarantee on that ass at AVP. So, I mean, you can tell me his opponents didn't see that or didn't bring it up through the net. And and sure enough, Garrett, he, he's, he's searching for it. He gets 52 comments on it. Uh, his championship post, uh, all the celebrations, only 39 comments. So I think he knows how the internet works. And he's he's playing us all for football, and we're all taking the bait. Yeah, I mean, good. Good. We need that. That's what you need. Because, right, you don't have a hero without a villain. Like, you, you don't. If... Who's the hero if there's no one to overcome and defeat, right? Like, that, what defines a hero if it's not beating the villain, right? So, I mean, you need that in sports. So, good for him. I mean, congrats. Yeah, I like that pick, Josh. Look at you bringing out, like, actual well-known volleyball people for these things rather than just obscure random things like somebody else. I hope it's well-known. And if not, like, give this guy a follow. Let's get behind this Never Trevor thing. Let's either love him or hate him, but you got to have a response to this guy. All right. Well, like, I mean, if we were on social media, oh, wait, we are, Josh. Get on that, by the way. Um, well, yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm down. Let's also give him Clown of the Week for that as well, just to really double down on it. Um, but maybe you, maybe you did that, actually. I don't want to spoil the show. Okay. I'm going to jump in with my two players of the week. So I have, I have two um, because, I mean, I couldn't pick between these two. So first off is, and I don't know the full name, it's Ivan from Macedonia who was out swimming, was swept out to sea, and is is drowning. Like, is is drowning in the water. And what should what should come to him in this moment? When he's drowning, sucked out to tide, but a volleyball floating in the ocean comes to him. He clings to it. Ivan hangs on to this volleyball for 19 hours out in the in the tide. As he's struggling to stay alive, the volleyball keeps him afloat and saves his life. So, I mean, Ivan, amazing. Glad the volleyball was there. Volleyball saves lives. You heard it here first. Volleyball saves lives. So, player of the week, I mean, Ivan, congrats to being, to surviving that. Oh, my God, what a scary moment. But really, really nice story. Whatever brand of volleyball that is, you can't tell me they're not going to make that into an ad. They, they have to. Like, that's a huge missed opportunity. Our ball saved pe- saves people's lives. Yeah. Like, buy our ball because the more that are out there, the more likely it's going to save somebody's life. So, Absolutely. I mean, that's an automatic <laughs> campaign right there. I mean, I don't, it was a Sharp Cuts branded ball, I guess, apparently. Um, it was not. Probably a molten. It's not in the budget. <laughs> it's not in the budget. Um, okay, my other player of the week is... Probably some more. So, yeah, I have another player of the week. So my other player of the week, and this is a, like a multiple players, it's players of the week, because I don't know any of their names. Um, but at the Commonwealth Games, I don't know if you've seen this, Josh, but there's this thing where the rakers are dancing on the court while they're doing the rake job. It is the best thing ever. We need this. This is what we need in sport, is every little thing should be there for the entertainment to try to bring people in. So you, these rakers are out there raking the court. So go online, you can check the video. It's like the first thing that comes up, Commonwealth Games, rake dancing, rakers entertain crowd during beach volleyball, um, which is just so awesome to see the rakers out there. It's exactly what I would be doing if I was a raker out there, Josh. I'd be fully dancing, like 
What else are you there for? Oh, to rake? Who cares? Get out there and dance. So, players of the week to the Amazing. Commonwealth Games rakers. Congrats. I think Canada's number one beach crew needs to add that to their repertoire. I think it's been a little stale. I think that's a nice addition. You could easily add. You gotta love your job, right? You have to. And I mean, you get called out for a net check on court 543 out in the boonies. I mean, you better enjoy that thing. You better go out there, net check, do a little rake, and just dance your butt off. I mean, Mixing what else are you there for? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we need to see that with tennis, too, as the ball boys and girls running out there, do a little dance or something, and they're breaking play while they're getting the balls. But see, tennis is so lame like that, so they are not about You can't that. even cheer for them, probably. I guess it's a stoppage, so maybe you're allowed to cheer. But maybe this is our opportunity to pass tennis by having a little bit of pizzazz. Absolutely. I fully support it. So there's a couple of players of the week, Josh. And just wholesome. Wholesome players of the week. I mean... What are we doing on this show right now? I mean, talking about volleyball? Okay, here we are. Okay, let's go Clowns of the Week. Um, I think, well, let's. You, why don't you go, Josh? Because uh, we'll just alternate here. So mine, I mean, it goes back a few years, Garrett, but I just find the NCAA, like they used to play to 30. They have like different sub rules. They do all these stupid things where it's almost like it doesn't make sense that the USA women are as good as they are because they almost laugh in the face of what international volleyball is doing because like I've never seen someone run out of subs. It seems like they're always running a 6-2. They're like 15 girls are playing every match. Like they almost think they can be successful with the stupidity that they run at the post-secondary level, but they're not, Garrett. They go, they, they finish first after the regular regular VNL, like the, the the first phase or whatever. They won eight matches, three dongs. Some of them are like around 15. Like they're just awesome. And then they lose in the quarterfinals. And it's just ironic to me that like they have the best development system. There's so many good players. It's such a ginormous country that loves volleyball. But the United States women just find a way to always fumble it. They never get it done. They're like a 7-Eleven, Garrett. They can open all night, but they can never close. And that's why they lost in the quarterfinals to Serbia. So they're my clown of the week is the USA women because you guys keep laughing in the face of what volleyball should be by making up these stupid rules. And you're Absolutely, for it. Josh. You're for it. Absolutely. Clown of the week for a quarterfinal loss. How dare you dominate and then lose in the quarters with all your dumb rules? I fully support it, Josh. Let's double down. And you know what? Why don't you add Derek Dedman in there? Because that exact logic <laughs> that you're giving for that loss, Derek, are you not coming to defend the U.S. women? I mean, quarterfinal loss with their crazy rules. I mean, well, no, he's probably going to agree because, you know, that's just how this goes. And I fully agree. You're crazy so rules. He's probably going to say, well, didn't they just win the Olympics? I was like, yeah, but if you check back like the last four Olympics, they always seem to like fumble or stumble or lose it when they shouldn't. And it's because I think they, they just laugh at volleyball and say, oh, the USA can make up whatever rules they want and we'll still go to your tournament and beat you by your rules. No, it's not happening. Yeah, no, I, I fully support it. And I, I love to see, because, I mean, the U.S. is always stacked. They always have, especially the women, they're all huge. They got, like, a, the tallest team, super physical. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I like, you like to see that team lose a bit. You like to see them fold up a little bit. I know that's a bit harsh for me, but, I mean, I fully support this, Josh. I, I like you getting a little bit bitter. I like a bitter so Josh. For, for our listeners here that say, oh, yeah, they won Tokyo. But if you go back to Rio, bronze, should have won. Uh, they won second in London, should have won. Uh, silver in Beijing, should have won. On home soil in L.A., silver, should have won. Like, I'm, I'm not denying that they're very good, Garrett, but they never win the big one. And it's, I think they don't respect the volleyball gods with this unlimited subs. At least they played at 25 now. When they used to play to 30, that made no sense to me. Like, it's just it's just shenanigans. Yeah, I agree. They never win the big one, except for Tokyo Olympic gold. Um, that's the one asterisk I mean, uh, yeah we'll i mean to... even that i mean they should have won better you know so yeah i'm fully <laughs> i fully support your, your, the petty clown of the week and i'm down for it okay so 
It's funny you mention that because my clown of the week is also in that vein, Josh, uh, about the U.S. Uh, University women's volleyball. So this is a bit of a long walk. So bear with me here, but I think it's worth it. So my clown of the week is Chelsea Lucas. Um, now, if you haven't heard of Chelsea, I don't like. I don't know if I should be just spreading these people's names around, but it, I read there's articles and stuff. It's a big deal. It was on first take on uh, ESPN. So like this story got covered, and we got to cover it a little bit. So. So it's she was hired as the coach at a school I think called Gram Grambling Grambling State. There's so many schools in the U.S. So I, I don't know what division this is. Whatever. There's a hundred divisions. So she gets hired, a coaching job. I mean, great. We both worked a coaching job in college teams. She probably made two or three times what we make now. So I mean, there's that. But so she gets hired as a coach. Was a former player at a division rival. So first off, that seems a little bit like crazy. Like so. You play against this team for your five years. You become a coach, and then you get hired by, like, a rival team. Okay, fine, whatever. You're a professional. So comes on to the team. And in her, like, last year in a competitive game as a player, this this grambling state, the in the crowd, the fans yell stuff. And at the end, they have these chants. At the end, they say, bitch. Like, at the end of it. And it's kind of... Kind of harsh, like, like I mean, that's a it's a pretty loaded word, right? So like at women's sport to be shouting that out, but apparently to do it for all sports that this is like the school's thing, and so this woman competes against this team, is getting called the b word while she's a player by the entire stadium, goes to that team as a coach, and for the first three practices, basically just has them run lines, punishment style drills, runs them hard, and then. As the 12, <laughs> then decides 12 players who are on scholarship, you're not on scholarship anymore. You are cut. Seven walk-ons, you are no longer a walk-on. You are cut and basically cuts everybody from the entire program out of sheer bitterness. Then, two weeks later, gets fired. <laughs> Oh my God. Like what an absolute train wreck, this grambling Chelsea Lucas situation. Maybe I'm not doing it justice. Check out the articles if you're interested. Uh, I think Stephen A gave a take on this program and how crazy it was. Um, But I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine Josh? Like getting hired, you're so bitter when you were a player, you cut the entire team. Like how petty is that? And then you get fired because obviously you cut your entire team. What are you doing? Now, the administration, Josh, after she cut the entire team, put out a comment, like a statement saying, you know, we support our our coaches' autonomy to make decisions that they think will be best for their program. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? You cut your entire team and then they fire her after that. The whole program. Oh my God. So yeah, look that up. Maybe I've told it wrong, but that was, I mean, I'm taking notes. I'm like, I want to get this right. So what a story. Sorry, that was a bit of a walk, but holy. As a Canadian, it's hard to really soak in what these rivalries mean. Like even Sophie Bukovic at practice the other day, she was explaining that like she doesn't wear blue because when she was at USC, blue is UCLA's color. And like you'll get kicked out of the gym if you're wearing the wrong color. Or I go to watch the Winter Classic at at Michigan at their arena and Dana Cook, who went to Michigan State, says punch a Wolverine in the face. Like they absolutely, for whatever reason, NCAA schools and their rivalries, it, it, it never dies, Garrett. Like it goes on forever. Apparently, even when you're employed by the rival school, you're trying to like sabotage it from within. Like I can't understand 
Like if you were the head coach at uh, Queens, I don't think you'd wear your Western stuff and try to sabotage the team from within. Like you'd be over it, right? Like I, I don't understand how this hatred goes so deep with some of these schools. Not not only would I like be a professional about it, I'd flip the entire other direction, like a full 180, <laughs> like a full trader move. Like I know the inside scoop. Like I would know weird stuff about the Western program, go to Queens and then rat out everybody on Western <laughs> to get them fired and penalized and everything and just use all the secrets, like a full trader move, let alone like forget cutting my entire team. Like, oh my gosh, just a, I mean, things are crazy down there, man. They, they go hard. Like, they, it's a wild, wild scene down there. And it's kind of entertaining. I, I have to read more about this. Did the new coach reinstate all these scholarship athletes? Do they even have a program anymore? Like, what, what is the ripple effect of all this madness? I don't know. I think it's, on, I think it's ongoing. Yeah, Gran, Grambling State. So this was just a couple of weeks ago. So I think there's a, there's, it's an evolving story. Um, so we'll have to check back in and see if all those players got reinstated with their scholarships. Maybe this team comes back from this and dominates. That would be an amazing story. Team comes back from having the entire team cut, comes back and wins their division. That, I'm, I'm rooting for that, uh, for Grambling State. Maybe they double down on that B word in the stands too. Like That's pretty harsh. Well, good for them. For a school I've never heard of, I'm now clicking through and trying to find more about. So what great marketing by them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's a direct quote from the coach. Reportedly, allegedly. Allegedly said, I bet you didn't expect to see me again. I bet y'all will think twice about who y'all call A.B. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> whoa. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, whoa. Like, oh gosh. So clown of the week. <laughs> clown of the week to Chelsea Lucas. Uh, I mean, well-deserved and the Grambling State program. Like, I mean, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? So, yeah. There's You're that. right, okay. ESPN picked this up. Uh, like, this is all over Sports Illustrated. Like, it's there's a lot of articles on this. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, volleyball's in the news. We got to talk about it at least. Bring some attention to it. We can't miss when volleyball's in the news. I mean, we're, we're terrible... Terrible podcasters if we do that. Um, I wish there was more layers to this so it could be like a Netflix show or something to really give us some publicity. But uh, well, I yeah. mean, we could just make it up. I mean, let's 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 uh, let's uh, let's fictionalize it. Let's sensationalize it. Like let's we'll tell the story. Next Netflix special. Here we go. Um, all right. Well, there's our players of the week and clowns of the week. Comment down below if you got a player of the week or clown of the week. Hit us up. Uh, give us some of that ammunition. If it's us, let us know. I mean, we may deserve it, but we need to know why so that we can absolutely bury you for your stupid reasoning. But, yeah, Fleming um, College better not hire either one of us, Garrett, because that George Brown Fleming rivalry, that one goes deep. So. Oh, I mean, it runs super deep. So if I was at Fleming, I'm cutting the entire team. Or I'm, oh, no, I'm full trader. Like, anyway, you know. I think okay. we go full trader. Yeah. Gosh, like a full <laughs> trader move is way better. In my, anyway, okay. Let's move on, Josh. We got. Uh, well, we got maybe a fun topic to finish things off. So um, along your lines of you were talking about, you know, the U.S. and how they're they do all these weird rules and dumb things. Um, I was taking a look through the rule book. And this is rare for me, admittedly. But I was taking a look through the Volleyball Canada rule book for 2021-2022. So I, I don't know if the 2022-2023 one is out yet. Maybe, maybe not. But this is pretty recent stuff. So... I found some weird rules, Josh, and I figured we could chat about this because we're two guys who love to boast about how well we know the rules 
and about arguing with refs about the rules and, you know, chirping the rules. So I figured we might as well engage ourselves and just talk a little bit about this. So I don't know if you have any. I got a few ready to go here, Josh, that we definitely do wrong. Okay, let's get into it. All right. So did you know that when it comes to substitutions, so obviously you can't sub in an illegal player. I mean, you can't do that. If you have a player on your team who's not on your roster, you can't sub them in. Like if I put on a jersey and sit on the bench for a youth club team, you can't sub me in. Like you can't do it. But you could do it if you were sneaky enough, right? And nobody noticed, you can do it, right? But here's the thing, Josh. What happens if you do it and it goes on for five, six, ten, however many points, and then you're caught? What happens, Josh? What do you think happens? I think all the points that you've earned while that player's been on the court get removed. The other team keeps their score, but I think like if you look eight for simple math, like I think you lose those eight points. You're 100% correct, Josh. I mean, absolutely. Yes. Nerd, nerd alert here with Josh, <laughs> knowing that. Josh literally said verbatim what's in the rule book. You, if you make an illegal sub, you lose all the points you scored with that illegal player, but the other team keeps all their points, which to me is so stupid. What are we <laughs> doing here? The ref missed a bad sub, right? The scorekeepers missed a bad sub. So now we're going to punish you it's worse than if they'd caught it. Like if they catch it, you get a delay of game and the player goes back. You don't make the sub you play on. No, no. If you miss it, we're going to make it worse on you. Like what a crazy situation that would cause. I didn't know that was the case. I'm trying to think of a situation like it. Coaches can't do this on purpose. Can they? It has to happen by accident. Like it seems like a pretty harsh rule that you're right. The scorekeeper, isn't that the reason you give them the roster and all that stuff? Like, well, why would I risk it? I think most time this, the scorekeeper is like usually a parent, right? So maybe that's why yeah. this rule's not caught very well. Like, yeah. Well, but why would I risk it as a coach? Like, I'm it's obviously a mistake, right? Like, I'm not trying to play. I mean, unless you're in university and there's an eligible player, and you maybe get little. Uh... That's a different story. University, I think, like you have a whole athletic department. You should know if that player is eligible. But if you're Garrett May and you take 14 kids on your team, and the OVA says you can only dress 12, and somehow you subbed in the 13th kid because you're in garbage time, like it, it seems weird to wash all the points that that kid was on the court for. Now, here would be an epic maneuver. You make an illegal sub. They don't catch it. You go on a huge run. It's already garbage time. You go on a huge run. You're up by eight. You go on a huge run. You tell the ref, hey, we made an illegal sub. They pull it back. You're back still up big and just get more time. <laughs> so you get that player in for a few points. And then it's like, no, actually, no, take it back. We play again. We play some more. That would be a nice coaching move. And I think you should go for it next time you're out there, Josh. Just really extend that garbage time as much as possible. Okay. Interrupt me anytime. I can't believe you knew that, Josh. Because, like, here's the, here's the misconception is, like, if you're out of rotation and they don't catch it, you don't lose any points. Like, you don't, it's not like you lose all your points and you go back. You just fix it. You lose that one point where they catch you and it goes mm -hmm. to the team and you fix it, right? Whereas with the illegal sub, you lose all those points, which is nuts. I didn't know that. And I'm surprised you did. How did you know that? I've seen some things, Garrett. I've seen oh, some come things. on. You nerd alert. You read the rule book every time you go to sleep at night, don't you? 
when you work for the OVA and you work on Terry championships and you're there from the start till end, like I, I, you see some situations come up now and then. So this happened. Oh yeah. Oh. You've seen this happen. Oh yeah. So what are these idiots doing? These refs who miss this? I guess it's in so, games where there's one ref on the stand and it's parents doing the score. Yes. The worst one I've ever seen is like, you know, how coaches write in on the lineup card and you have one, two, three, four, five, six. Like the parent didn't know what one to six was. So they just wrote the numbers down. So the players are going through the rotation and it seems like they're out of rotation every single time, but they're not because that's wasn't the way. And it took forever to figure out that they just wrote it wrong on the sheet that it, it was that was at least an hour delay, Garrett, until somebody actually figured out what had happened. Like just the madness of our score sheet sometimes makes it like impossible for a parent to really know what's going on. Yeah, like if I write them down on the sheet in the wrong order, then... Then you go by the sheet, right? Nobody polices the person writing in, or the ref should, but if they miss that part of it, the whole game is messed up. Oh my God. And then they call them out of rotation. You lose a point, but you shouldn't have because you were good. Yeah, so do we give that point back? Sides in the front row at the same time, right? So then you're trying to protest, and basically, like that was the that was the maddest day I think I've ever seen. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Refs, get it together. Get your head on straight. Check for mistakes. Did turn it off and turn it on again? Is it plugged in? Like, come on, these are basic things. And it might be right 99 out of 100 times, but that one time, you're never gonna figure it out until it's way too late, and then you're like, what do you do? Just restart the set? Like, it's it's just chaos. That's a great point. Okay, stop me anytime, Josh. You got a good one. But I got a few more here that we can uh, we can cover. Okay, so I was looking up because I was interested about sanctions um, and red cards and stuff. And so most of it was what I expected. Most of it was, you know, if you... They can give you a red directly if you have, like, bad conduct, you swear, you know, you're rude. They can just give you a red. It's a point. And then they can give you the double red, yellow, you lose the set... Or you're out for the set, you give the the whatever, you lose the match. Like you're out for the match. Like they can do that stuff at their discretion. The one thing that surprised me though is I always thought, and this is I've seen this happen, and refs do this wrong, is the delay warning is its own separate thing. Where you get one delay warning, and then the next delay warning is a red card. Like it's worth a point. Which all the time. All the time I've seen delay warning, then a yellow card, then the red card, right? And that really isn't the way it should be doing. So like, I'm thinking about me, every time I got delay warning, I was like, I'm fine. I still got the yellow and I would get the yellow. Like I would still get the yellow if I was delaying the game further. I go, okay, now I'm in trouble. I don't want to do this again, but that's not actually the case. You can get a red directly after the delay warning, which is crazy to me. Did you know that? You probably knew that, you freaking nerd. I, I did, and thankfully Andrew Rob was in your shot because we were discussing it again on Terra Championships because at George Brown one year, we got a delay of game warning, Gary, because somebody tied their shoe and we were up 7-2. So I, I went to the officials like, what do you, what are we delaying the game for? We're, we're rolling right now. But anyways, yes, like, because a, a delay of game warning to me for an official is so like, if you roll the ball to the wrong side or if you if you tie your shoe, like they can give it out for anything. So to give it on something so fluffy, uh, like I get if you make a wrong substitution, there are ways to slow down our game or you take your third time out because you pretend you didn't know it like there are ways to give me a delay warning but to give one for that then to have a, a point ready to go on the next one uh, i get livid about that stuff and then the some of the officials who don't know the rules very well they say oh what's the big deal it's just a delay no no because the next one's a point and you're gonna somehow like screw this over for me yeah, like people don't know that josh like refs don't know that like you get refs who don't understand that once you give a delay the next delay is supposed to be a point Yes. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. And I think if people knew that, 
Like if that was the, that was more in the culture, people would let more go in terms of discussion with the ref because there'd be the understanding that like, okay, so I'll give you a verbal warning. I won't give you the official warning until it's warranted, but I'll give you a verbal warning. I say, hey, you know, if you keep this going, you know, this is your verbal warning. Great. You haven't done anything, but now I understand that like, okay, you're warning me before you give me the thing. And then if I do it again, I'm getting a card, right? Because I don't know how many people, what percentage of people would know that that's the case. Like I should have had way more red cards than I've had because of that. Most definitely. Yes. Like no question. <laughs> I've gotten like delay and then yellow and then a few reds now and then I get a few, I got a few reds. Yeah. Sub reps are so easy with the delay. Like I said, like the shoelace or you, you roll the ball to the wrong side. If you have like ball shaggers at university or college or uh, the, the wrong something, I think it is. Or like I send my captain, ask a question, they come back and I try to send them again. The ref goes, no, I already gave you the answer. Like that's a delay. Like there, there's so many like fluffy ones that could lead to a big point. Like later on in the match, like if we get a delay warning and we're up 1918, like you don't think that rattles many teams. Like, well, yeah, and like if you give it to a player, right? So if they give it to a player and they happen to give two to the player, then the next one, the player is out for that set, right? Because like I didn't know that layer of it. Well, so like if you get a red card, your next any sanction is the red and yellow, right? Because you've gotten the red, so the next is like you're out for the set. That's kind of the progression, which is kind of crazy to think about too. Is like. So I could get expelled from a set for three delay warnings. Yeah. Like for tying my shoe three times. Like if I'm getting a delay warning for tying my shoe, I do that three times, I'm out of the set. What if my shoelace genuinely came untied, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, okay, I'm glad, I'm kind of glad the rest don't follow that one because holy, that would be, it would be a different world if that were actually how the rules were enforced. This could blow up the OCAA. There's going to be a lot of red cards this year. Well, f yeah, like, and and the and the OUA and the C, like, everybody does this. A club? Every time. Oh, every time in club. There's only one ref. Like, they're, and they're usually, they let a lot more go. Oh, every, every single time. All right. That's that one. Holy. So, now this one's a little bit more fun, Josh. So, I was looking up, and you probably know this because you, you worked at the OVA and you were all into this stuff, probably. You're probably a huge fan of this, aren't you? And I'm already <laughs> just done. reading so, incident reports, just looking for the white no, whale. No, not incident reports. I'm looking up, I'm in the youth recreational rules of the game section. So, these are the rules for younger athletes. So, like youth volleyball. So, this was just crazy to me. Some of the things that they like adjust. For the kids, right? So like six to eight year olds playing volleyball, they, you know, the rules are you can catch it and throw it and, and do that sort of stuff, which I'm kind of okay with. Like at six years old, you can catch and throw, you know, set it like, yeah, you do it fine. But there are some things. So from eight to 12 years old, so from 12 years old, like you can, you can play volleyball, like at 12 years old, potentially, maybe not like great, but you can bump, set, spike, but the net height for the 8 to 12-year-old division is the reach of the shortest player, their wrist. This says this in the rule book. <laughs> is the net height. This is what it says. So I don't know if anybody uses this in any league or enforces this. Because, like, what league is there for 8 to 12? But could you imagine, Josh, where we have a team, 8 to 12 years old. Say I'm an 11U team. 
We're playing, playing through on three, because that's what it is. And I bring my five-year-old. I bring my four-year-old, who's on the squad, yeah. and they're like a baby. <laughs> Shortest player, the wrist. So the net is like lower than a tennis net, because yeah. of this kid. Because <laughs> that's the rule. No, hey, that's what it says. Oh, God, did you write that? Do you make that rule, Josh? I could see this one being abused because, like you said, you just take a mighty bite on your team, and then you still have like your your kids who hit puberty early that are like flirting with six foot who can just like mash these balls. Yeah, like if I'm a real like asshole like coach at the 11U division, that's what I'm doing. I'm full on doing that, and like low net, low net. I got the big kids. Let's go and mash. Oh God! Just so another <laughs> great example of like somebody makes the spirit of the rule like to make sure the kids are having a good experience, and then like there's just just unintentional consequences of coaches cheating the rules somehow to make it work for them so they can win an 11U tournament. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, we've already heard on this show that I would do that. I I would be the guy doing that. Like, hey, it's in the rules. We're playing to win. Let's go. I take a team of 25 kids if I could. We're only playing three on three on that age. <laughs> I've got a full roster. I've got a full classroom on my bench because they let it happen. Okay, there's a few other uh, there's a few other funny ones in here. So it says this, Josh, in the 12 to 14 year old age group, they play six on six. So we already know that they have triple ball um, in this division, where you actually the coach tosses it in to introduce the rally, and then there is a serve. So. We know that that happens, but also it says you are allowed to let the players on the pass catch and toss to the to themselves for the pass and the set. So can you imagine a 13-year-old? Like, when my brother played 13U, they were really good. So, like, a 13-year-old by this, if we're following this, is supposed to catch and tossed to themselves to pass or set, which is just crazy to think about, Josh. Like, you could be very good at that age. That one seems a little unnecessary for me. I wonder how low the level needs to be to add that so you can have, like, the ball continuously going. That one just seems a little odd to me. Okay, here's another one that's absolutely crazy, Josh. And this was the this was the icing on the cake. So... There's like this big chart and it's sideways and I don't know how who uses this or what it's used for, but it's in the, this is the 2021-2022 Volleyball Canada rule book. So like, I don't know what the hell we're supposed to use this for, but if it's not in four, anyways. So there's all the different categories for the age groups, the four and four, six on six. There's a side thing. There's like a side comment that says this, six to eight and eight to 12 volleyball categories allow for one bounce Ooh. what <laughs> what what do you what one bounce we play one bounce volleyball if you're under 14 no like does anybody do this not that i've heard of and please comment if you do this sounds like a fun like gym class thing to get like a bunch of people who've never played before like playing this doesn't seem like an organized volleyball tournament rule yeah like like i guess because is there nationals for that age group? Like, there's a 14U nationals. Absolutely there is, yeah. So, but, like, it says here, like, okay, so is there a 12U nationals? No. There's a 12U provincials. I don't know if it's reached nationals yet. Right. So if there were a 12U nationals, according to this, that category would allow for one bounce. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so all the parents getting super sad. Oh no, they get one more. They get one more. They get one more. <laughs> <laughs> but they're also allowed to catch and toss themselves to pass and set. It must so, take like three hours to play one match. <laughs> so when do you get the bounce? Do you get the? Can you get the bounce off of their contact, or can you like bounce it to yourself? I don't know when you'd ever want to do that. But no. can you imagine like a really a really excited, like a really amped up, you know, eight year old, nine year old, who's like really competitive and playing in the division where the net height is the height of the shortest player's <laughs> wrist. So they get one bounce and a catch and toss on the pass, set, and spike at that age. So you get a real key, a real eager player who catches it, bounces it to themselves for a spike on the low net. <laughs> Is legal, according to the Volleyball Canada youth rules of the game. So, I mean... Gosh, that I, it's interesting to read, but I, I don't think anybody actually uses this. And then they um, go up one age group the next year, and their whole world is shattered, thinking they were so good at volleyball to now, like, everything has changed. Yeah, like, as soon as you get to 14U, it's like, oh, no, we're actually playing volleyball now. Like, nobody does this, Josh. Like, the provincials, the provincial organizations do their own thing. They have their own rules. Like, they update the things, and they pick and choose, for sure. So, like, I don't think there's a risk of this getting into the wild, but my goodness, Josh, please, you're at, you're at Volleyball Canada. I would love to see a youth tournament where, with these rules. A 14U tournament, screw triple ball, we're playing full catch, one bounce rule, to toss, and the net height is the height of the shortest player's wrist. My goodness, that would be a blast. The worst part is, is the kids would absolutely love it. And some coach or parent is going to say, this isn't volleyball. And they're going to put an end to it. But those kids would be having fun the whole day. So why does it have to end at kids, Josh? What if we had an adult tournament with these rules? You really game the system. Because, like, you're adults. So the height of the net thing with the wrist thing is, like, it's, it's both teams. Like, if you have a really low net, it's like... You know, okay, who's that really benefiting, you know? But the catch and toss and the one bounce rule would, you could, like, think about the strategies for that, Josh. Because if you bounce it high. That helps me. It's a free ball. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which you like. But so you got to, like, bounce it strategically, but you get a catch and toss to yourself as well. To, to Oh, man. Crazy. That'd be so much fun. So. I think this would be a lot of fun. Anyways, that was what I was super into with the uh, youth recreational volleyball rules, so, uh, and the weird rules for the game. You got any weird rules, Josh? I mean, it seems like you know all the rules already. I, the one that bugs me the most is when you get to the level, so either like 18U or college university, and they give you a down official, and the only thing the down official does the whole match is blow at your bench and just go tweet, 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 and like stop them from having fun. As you're explaining the delay of game rule, is that a delay of game if my bench is having too much fun? Because now the whole team can get a red card because my, my one box squad guy like ran on the court at Vaselli? I'm going to look up right now and see if that is mentioned in this rule book. Because that, that is my most upsetting rule in our sport is people trying to make it into like this gentleman's game that like nobody on the bench can have fun. They have to stand back like against the wall. Like why can't they, if, if one of our players runs into another one of our players, that's our fault. We don't yeah. need the down official who should be watching the net policing our bench. Okay. Okay. I'm on to something here, Josh. We're doing, this is investigative journalism here on the Sharp Cuts podcast. 
Okay. What a day for you that you decided to read the rule book. This is fascinating. This is amazing. The players not in play should either sit on their team bench or be in their warm-up area. The coach and other team members sit on the bench but may temporarily leave it. The benches for the teams are located besides the scorer's table outside of the free zone. So it is in the rules... It is a rule that players on the bench have to be sitting on the bench or in the warm-up zone. And the warm-up zone, if not indicated, is behind the bench. Behind the bench, even not even at the end of the bench. Behind because, the bench. you know, on some courts, they have it uh, outlined Yes. on the sport court, right? With that, like, that little uh, the line Lots on there, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so, but in, in university where they don't have that delineated, right. Where it's, you're just in a gym, it's just behind that bench. And so arbitrarily they just decide where that warm up area is because there's no clear line. Right. My goodness, Josh. And I, I gave a lot of flack to the NCAA tonight. That's one rule they do get right. Where like assistant coaches can stand. The bench is allowed to have fun. They, they might go a little bit over the top on the men's game with their choreographed sellies, but at, at least it makes it more entertaining as a fan when you know the bench is engaged and wants to be there versus the tweet, 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 like fun sucker thing that goes on here in Canada. Oh my God. It's absolutely brutal. Okay, here we go. So... All timeouts and subs are to be requested by the coach from the end of the bench nearest to the scorer when he or she is sitting or from the extension of the attack line in the free zone when standing and walking. So you cannot call a timeout in the rules from the other end of your bench, from the sideline of the court, or the second chair. Like if you sit in the second <laughs> chair... You can't call timeout because you are not at the end of the bench nearest to the scorer. So you can't call timeout. Man, when you read this stuff, it kind of makes you go like, damn, like if I was doing my ref certification, I have to pass this test. Like I, I have to read this and know this, right? So like we, we condition our refs to do this stuff. Do you think this is in the FIVB rule book? Oh, it must be. There's I, I, even thicker. I highly... Oh, here we go. Here's this. The assistant coach sits on the team bench, but has no right to intervene in the match. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of refs take that rule very seriously. That's it. That's, that's, the, that's it. Next line. That's it. That is crazy. <laughs> they, they literally have no oh. right to intervene in the match. In any way, Josh. No encouragement. You can't coach. You have, you can't like, can you participate in the huddle? Is that intervening in the match? I think Assistant coaches legally can't do that. So you could get sanctioned for coaching your team as the assistant coach. Sounds like it. Yeah. Legally, Josh, yes. if I was a down ref, if I was a down ref, I'd be like yellow card. Co you are intervening in the match. Assistant coach, if I just wanted a team to lose, are you kidding it me? Sounds really easy. A couple of delay warnings, a couple of assistant coach cards. Whew. Well, yeah, like, so, but here's the thing if I do that, then I, it gets to the point where, okay, 
Yep, sanction, sanction. Okay, yeah, I take you out of the set. It's only two points for the other team. And then they're gone. I can't sanction them again because they're gone. Legally. So well, we've got to find, we got to find some, other, some other ways. Man, I highly recommend If you're still listening to us, thank you so much. This is a weird exercise that we've gone down here, but I'm having a blast. Go into the rule book and just control F on this PDF for keywords you want to look at. Like sanctions, an interesting one. I control F bench and just crazy what you come out. It, so here's weird the thing. to me what, what they trust the ref to interpret. Like we, we had a friend of the show, Dimitri, on. He came and talked to our guys about some like weird rules and stuff. And when one guy asked about like if you set the ball over, but it's windy and like the wind takes it over. The way Dimitri described it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, is, is the refs can't judge intent, Garrett. So sometimes they let stuff like that go and sometimes they don't because they don't know if you were deliberately trying to set it over or if the wind took it. So like just the weird way that they're teaching refs about like intent and purpose, it seemed like a really weird thing where like don't you want the rules to be as black and white as possible like I, oh he said it over but he wasn't square but oh he didn't mean to garrett so i'm going to say he didn't mean to do it so that that's his point i agree but is there even anything in the rule book about setting it over and being square like why can't there i has. set it over like, it would have to, you'd have to have a good, the beach rule book in front of you and i i'd, I'd like to see the wording on that right, as but well. what's the difference if i set it on my side clean but i direct it or I set it over and I direct it. It's both a contact. Why am I ever getting called for setting it over? Like, is that even a rule? Or do we just go, oh, oh, you, you directed it so it's a lift, it wasn't clean. It's like, we do that all the time. Like when I set handset from the baseline, I'm like, I'm chucking it hard. I'm taking it in and throwing it. That's a lift for sure if it went over the net. Like, what a, what a weird, like, is it even in the rule book? We don't know. We just know. That what, is a very good point. Yeah. Right. Like why, why shouldn't it be okay to volley it over the net if it's clean? We can do that in indoor. Yeah. You can get weird with it in indoor. Yeah. Like what? I, I get, I can't dump it. I can't top and hand tip it. Cause that's, oh gosh, man. So, and this one too gets me, Josh, during all timeouts, the players in play must go to the free zone near their bench. So the free zone is the space between the bench, the sideline, the attack line extended, and the warm-up area at the back of the court. So it's like the you know your team's area. That's the free zone. So in the rules, you have to be there during during all timeouts. So not until the timeout is done can you go back onto the court, which is just such a dumbass rule. What if so I want to stay on the court? Who cares? Yeah, and I used to argue with refs about this one at Nationals because I think the spirit of that rule is if you have like moppers or sweepers, you want to get them off the court, then the players return. But to see this enforced at Nationals at like 15U when there are no like sweepers, why are we again enforcing this rule? Like they kind of pick and choose the special moments, but it always felt like our referees get evaluated at big tournaments like nationals or provincial championships and then they're on edge and they're trying to call all the rule book stuff and it throws your team off because one you already have the stress of the moment you're already in a big game and then the ref is like also knows they're being evaluated like the worst one i ever saw it didn't happen to us it happened at sheridan at ocaa uh, you know in the fifth set when you switch sides and the ref checks your lineup they put them in the wrong rotation and then they called them out of rotation and the coach is trying to argue being like we're not out of rotation you told us you put us in this rotation and then we lost a point for it and you can't protest that rule so <laughs> it's just like madness happening at ocaa's all because the down ref was just like so nervous they were being evaluated that they made like one small mistake
What an absolutely gutty move, though, by the down ref to <laughs> put them in the wrong rotation and then call them on outer rotation. And then the next server and be like, oh, you're out of rotation. Yeah, like, wrong. immediately. Like, no, no, you guys are here. <laughs> it's your serve. They serve out of rotation. <laughs> you put us in this rotation. <laughs> Was it the same rep? Because, like, it's also gutty if the up ref, like, so say the down ref goes, yeah, you guys are here, you guys are here, this is how we are. And then the up ref goes, no, no, you're out of rotation. Watch the whole thing the entire time. Watched it happen, and then it was like, oh, this will be good. Like, oh, I know my down ref's getting evaluated. Watch me bury them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, but when you, when you say it like that, you kind of go, what are these idiots doing? Like, like both of you are watching this happen. I don't care who called out a rotation. You watched this happen. Like, you're, you're, an, you're being an asshole. If this happened in any other profession, like if I did this in the office. So say I work in video game development. So say I go, hey, programmer, you're working on this task. And then I, my boss, and then I go to my boss, I go, hey, this programmer's not on task. They're doing something, they're doing something else. It's like, no, I just told them to do that. Like, yes. <laughs> unacceptable. Like, now I'm in trouble because I'm being like a sociopath, basically. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here, here, authority, the authority section, Josh. Here we go. Okay. The second reference, this is, this is. Uh, rule 24.2.4. Imagine if you could cite that in a game. That would be crazy. Um, the second referee supervises the team members on the team bench and reports their misconduct to the first referee. So it is written in the rule book that the down referee is a snitch. Yeah, they don't have the authority to make the call, but they can write you out to the official who can. They're a full snitch. Which is just crazy to be written into the rule book. Like, you know that snitches get stitches, so. <laughs> wow. I mean, definitely, this is a hilarious exercise. Wait. <laughs> okay, so there's also a penalty area. Did you know that, Josh? Ooh. There's a penalty area in volleyball. That is a, that's a trivia question right there. Where is the penalty area in volleyball? Multiple choice. And one of them should be doesn't exist because everybody would pick that. Be like, penalty yeah. area. It doesn't exist. No. Each half, in each half of the competition control area, there is a penalty area located behind the prolongation of the end line outside the free zone and should be placed a minimum of 1.5 meters behind the rear edge of the team bench. So there's the warm-up area behind the team bench off to the side of the court. And then behind that diagonally is the penalty area. So if you get a red card and you're out, or if you get a red and yellow and you're out for the set, you got to go stand in the corner. <laughs> you gotta, I would like you gotta, to see this. you got to go stand in the corner. Like, what if you're at a gym where they just don't have that? So, like, imagine at, like, a, a college gym where, like, the players are behind the bench, which is right up against the wall and right in the corner. So if this happens, by the rules, there's supposed to be a penalty area behind that. So you literally got to go and stand in the corner. Oh, my God, Josh. This thing, this thing is a gold mine. I, we should write a book about this rule book. I, I've never seen, I've seen a lot of things. I've never seen the penalty area enforced. Yeah, never, right? But you know what rule they do enforce? You better not step out of that warm up area. <laughs> Otherwise, you're getting tweeted 
all freaking game. They could give you a delay a game for that. I wonder if you do it once. ever been sent to the sin bin. Like, I'm trying to think of what coaches would get so fired up that they got sent to the penalty area. I mean, it happened to Crush one time, but I don't think they used the penalty area. Like, they had, the head coach got a red and yellow, so it was out for the set. But then, like, just walked around and joined them in the next set. So they just kind of stood off to the side, which is kind of weird. Like, it's such a weird... We have such a weird sport. Was it your dad sport. or Kadoo? It was Kadoo. We have such yeah, a weird sport, you guys. Thank you so much for listening, watching. If you're still with us, if you're listening at two times speed, I mean, awesome. If you're listening in full yeah. speed, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much. I mean, we don't deserve it, but uh, we appreciate your support. Um, yeah, anything else you want to tell the folks, Josh, before we sign it off? No, thanks, Gary. This was fun. Are you thank you thanking me? Do, do I ask you? Hey, how did it go? I don't know. Should we? Should we? <laughs> how, should we just evaluate it together? How we thought it went? I. Oh. When we started the episode, I didn't know how much fun looking in the rulebook would be. That was an unexpected amount of fun to do. So, yeah, we thought this was going to be a faster than usual episode. We spent a lot of time on the rulebook. I'm and I'm glad for it. I may just have to like put a rulebook in the thumbnail. Like I, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but if you click it on this video and it was the thumbnail, uh, you'll see my results. Um, all I right. want to read the authority chapter. That sounds like the most fun. Yeah, let's. I mean. I, we, we shouldn't spoil it, Josh, because people should go and look at it. Oh, gosh. Authority. Hilarious. Oh, my God. Chapter one, authority. Yeah, this is hilarious. Go look it up. The first referee has the power to decide any matter involving the game, included those not provided for in the rules. That is a gray area. At best. That is all consuming power. So if you find something in the rule, if you find something that's not in the rules, the head referee has authority over it. Josh, the referees have a lot of authority. I need to maybe get in on that game and get it going. I don't know. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for watching. We should shut it down before. If you're still watching, thank you. Um, thank you so all right, Josh. Have a great week. We'll hopefully see you next week. Uh, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.